At this time, our young friends can be dismissed to junior church. So if you have someone, grades 1 through 6, that normally would be in junior church, this is the time for them to go. And if you're visiting with us today and you have a young one in junior church, you are always welcome to accompany them. And great job, young people. Thank you so much for singing for us. Well, I praise God that we're healthy this Christmas. Last Christmas, um, my whole family had COVID, and we had to cancel all of our Christmas plans, and as rotten as we felt, it was actually kind of nice for one reason. We didn't have to go anywhere. We didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to get dressed up. We didn't have to fight with the kids to figure out where their shoes were. We didn't have to try and line them all up for a photo. Everything was very, very simple. We got up whenever we got up. We, uh, we uh, limped around the house, we got our coffee, and I read Luke 2 to the kids, Luke chapter 2, and I read it as slow as possible, because we do that before we open presents, and then I drink my coffee as slow as possible before we open presents. And then we open presents, and we didn't hardly do anything. I think the holiday season is so busy, sometimes just the simplicity of staying home, and I'm not sure I'd like to stay home every Christmas, but the, the simplicity of staying home was something that was a blessing uh, along with the challenges of being sick last year. Not just this time of year, but I would say most people at most times find themselves overwhelmed with problems. They find themselves overwhelmed with stress. And the seasons of peace where nothing's going wrong are too short and they're too few. And it seems like either you're in trouble, you just got out of trouble, or you're on your way into trouble. And you ask yourself, how do you live like that? How do you live in a world where it seems like there's always something that's going wrong, even when you're doing right. Even when you're doing the right thing and you're trying to do your best and you're trying to honor the Lord and to be what God has called you to be, how are we supposed, are we just supposed to miserably hang on until heaven? Is there a way to make trouble stop? Is there a way to actually have lasting peace in this life? Not because there's no problems, but even in spite of the problems. Well, Jesus Christ whose birthday, of course, we're honoring and celebrating today, was gathered together with his disciples the night before he died, and he shared with them many things that they needed to know as he prepared them for trouble. And so let's join them in this conversation in John chapter 16 and verse number 33. In John chapter 16 and verse number 33, the word of God says this, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to join you in your presence here among us. You promised that where two or three are gathered in your name that you would be here. And so we, we thank you for that. I pray that you would speak to us by your spirit. Bless the reading and the preaching of your word in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is just hours away from when he would be taken into custody, put on false trial, shamefully treated, beaten, and eventually taken to the cross where he would be crucified. Praise God, three days later, he would rise again from the grave and he is alive forevermore. And all of this begins back as we look at the babe in the manger. In fact, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, but as we celebrate this time of Christmas and we think about peace on earth, we have to visit a few passages. Look with me, if you would, back in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 9. We find the name of Jesus Christ is connected with peace. 
The name of Jesus Christ is connected with peace again and again in Scripture. In Isaiah 9, in verse number 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government in peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. More than 700 years before the Lord Jesus was found to have no room in the inn to be born in, when he was born in the stable, more than 700 years before, we find this prophecy. We find him being called the Prince of Peace. He's not just an an ambassador of peace. He's not a mayor of peace. He's not a governor of peace. He's not even a president of peace. He is the prince of peace. No one understands and can bring peace like the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was born in Luke chapter 2, the angels heralded this. In verse number 10 of Luke chapter 2. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You say, what does it mean on earth peace? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ had been in heaven, but now he comes to walk among men and women, boys and girls, and the peace that he brings with him is the peace on earth. You see, Jesus pours his heart out to his disciples back in our passage, and he he tells them in the very beginning of verse number 33 in John 16, he says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. What has he spoken to them about? Well, he's talked with them since chapter 13 till now about a number of things, about preparing a place in heaven for them, about being a servant, about even though he's going away, he's sending the spirit of God to live with them, to never leave them. He spoke with them about loving one another. He spoke with them about a a commandment to love one another, about him being one with God the Father, about loving him and doing that by keeping his commandments of being the source of their salvation and new life, about joy, about how to deal with persecution, about prayer and God's willingness to answer prayer. All of these things Jesus talked about in these previous chapters. And he says, these things I have spoken unto you. Jesus Christ wants us to know his word. He wants us to understand what it is that he has to say so that we might have peace. It says in him, we might have peace. That's very different than a lot of the peace that the world has to offer. Um, The world offers peace, but it's, it's an illusion. It's not really what it seems like. In John 14, in verse number 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We looked at this verse previously in our series about peace on earth. But what we find is that there is a difference between the peace that the world offers and the peace that Jesus Christ offers. There is a big difference. See, the the world would try and tell you the only way for you to have peace is to have no trouble. How many of you have had long seasons in your life without any trouble? 
right? Anybody, anybody had long seasons? Can you tell me your secret, right? Doesn't it feel like you get done with one thing and then something else happens? Or before you even finish the first problem, the second problem creeps up. It's like, I finally just paid off that bill, but here's another one. We finally just fixed that problem with the car, but here's another one. We finally just dealt with that health problem, but now there's something else that's going on. Finally, this relationship is where it needs to be, and then something else happens. And it seems like one thing after another. And so if peace is not having any problems, who can find peace? Someone might say, my idea of peace is my toes in the sand on a beach somewhere with the sun shining down on me. And that sounds very nice compared to what we're looking at outside right now. With a book in my hand and just listening to the waves and all of that. But did you, did you know that there's usually trouble when you're on vacation? There's usually problems. Your flight got delayed. They lost your bags. They didn't have the right reservation at the room. The rental car you were supposed to get is not there. Breaks down. Kids are crying. Someone gets sick. I don't like this. I don't like that. They all want to go in different directions at the same time. This is all hypothetical, by the way. All of this is what might happen to somebody else. And you say, I need a vacation from my vacation. If that's all the world has to offer, or they say, if you have enough money, you can have peace. How much money is enough to have peace? How much is that? Or you say, if I eat all the right foods and do all the right exercises and take all the right supplements and, and I make sure to get enough sleep, I won't have any problems. I know people that are rigorous and taking care of themselves, and they still had heart attacks. Now, that doesn't mean you ought not take care of yourself, but it just goes to show that there's something lacking in what this world promises. We can scheme and try and adjust and put things together, but he says, in me, you might have peace, meaning in Jesus Christ. How? Well, revisiting what we talked about last week, we find it in prayer. We find it in prayer. Look in Philippians, would you? The book of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Here is how the Prince of Peace means for us to actually have it. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to have a defense, a bulwark, a wall, a guard around your heart and mind from all of the problems of this life? Wouldn't you like to have it just roll off of you when you hear about a true problem? Not, not pretending that it's not real, but wouldn't you like to just have it come to the castle gates, try and get in to ruin things, and then it can't? Well, that's what happens with the peace of God, but we only find it when we pray and believe. When we take the problems, when we take the burdens, when we take the worries, and we hand them over to the Lord, who is the only one who can bear them for us. Child of God, you are not meant to have peace in your walk with God until you've given God your burdens in prayer. That's where it is. That's how he's designed for that to happen. And so we've looked at those things last week. He wants us to have peace every day. But we come back to our passage in John chapter 16 once more. And though Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you that in me you might have peace. He says, in the world, you shall have tribulation. I don't particularly like that. But it's true. You didn't even need me to say that, did you? You didn't even need to read it from the word of God because your life proves it, doesn't it? He says, in the world, 
That means in this godless way of living, the, the whole way that society functions, leaving the Lord out of it, it's a broken place. Remember, this is not the world that the Lord intended for us. Mankind was given a choice to either love God and be in fellowship with him or to rebel and side with the enemy. And mankind rebelled, not wanting God to rule over us. And there were consequences to this world because of it. In Romans chapter 5, in Romans chapter 5, in verse number 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The clock started winding down when sin was introduced into the world, into the bloodstream of humanity, but also into this world. This world was very good, the Lord said. But if you and I look around this world now, it doesn't look very good, does it? Oh, there's surely beauty. There's wonderful things to enjoy, but you can't go on the internet, on social media. You can't read the news. You can't open a newspaper. You can't listen to the radio without hearing about some kind of trouble or problem, whether it's local, whether it's global. There seems to always be trouble. And he says, ye shall have tribulation. Who, what's tribulation? Well, it's just that. It's trouble. It's trouble. That's what tribulation is. And ye, who's ye? Everybody. I wish that we got a pass for being God's children. But the problem is we live in a broken world and broken things happen in a broken world. The wonderful news is we don't go through these things by ourselves. God himself comes with us. That's the peace that we're talking about. He says, in this world, ye shall have tribulation. It's, it's not a might. It's not a maybe. You should expect to have trouble. You're like, I'm so glad I came to church. But aren't you glad to know at least that you're not alone and feeling like there's always something going wrong? There's always a problem. There's always some, some argument that's, that's got you bothered or there's always some worry that has you stressed or there's always some ache or some pain or some medicine that you have to take that makes you feel awful. And you say, what's wrong with me? Why are things so bad for me? This is just a part of it. This is a part of what has happened in this world. And I didn't have to tell you this. Sometimes the problems are, are so bad that we think if I just do right, I won't have these problems. And we do right and we have the problems anyway. In 2 Timothy, it speaks about that. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution and tribulation are words tied together. If you're going to try and live for God, expect trouble. Why? Because this world is, is not a friend to the saints. This world is on the other side of things. There's an enemy on the outside, the adversary himself. There's our own flesh that gets us into trouble, right? There's our own flesh that pulls us towards the things we ought not be pulled towards. And so we end up having trouble. And though we try and do right, we still end up with it, even more so, even more so. I know people that they, they honestly believe that after they come to faith in Jesus Christ, which is the best decision that you can ever make, and I would never change anything about it, but when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, they get the idea that they're not going to have any problems, that they're not going to have any trouble. I want you to know, eventually, you'll get there, but it won't be here. It'll be with the Lord. That will be the end of all the suffering and difficulty and sorrow. That will be the reward and it will be more. We can't even compare what's ahead of us to the little bit of trouble that we're having now is what one of the greatest Christians that ever lived 
has written to us by the inspiration of God. It's not even to be compared, but right now we're going to have trouble because we've enlisted in a, in a spiritual warfare and there's enemies and there's battles and there's trouble. And this world can throw some pretty crazy things. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you recently have been thrown something that is just beyond what you expected? Just beyond what you expected. Some sort of hardship, some sort of heartache, some sort of disappointment, some sort of health problem. Um, dear brother Marion Wojnarowski has been dealing with weakness for a long time. And the test came back and we spoke with him when we were caroling this past week and he does in fact have leukemia. He, here's a man who has served the Lord with his life, who's been in ministry, who's been faithful, who's tried to do his best to encourage people around him. He's definitely been a blessing and an encouragement to me. Here's somebody who loves the Lord, and yet this happens. He's 80. Is that right? I think that's right. He's 80 years old. And you say, that's not what he needs. My soul, that's not what he needs. And if we were to end the message there, you say we should have just left after the cookies and after the cinnamon rolls this morning. But that's not where it ends. He says, but be of good cheer. How in the world can we be of good cheer? Back in verse 33 of chapter, you say, just so you know, you're going to have trouble. Nobody gets out of it. You're going to have problems. Nobody escapes. You're going to have problems. And even though you're a child of God, you're still included in that. He's like, but, but be happy. Be of good cheer. We talk about Christmas cheer this, this time of year. But if you walk around some of these places, people didn't look very cheerful leading up to Christmas, did they? Did any of you have to go out yesterday for anything? Any of you have to go to a store for anything? Yeah, I, I ended up having to go to a store yesterday. I can tell you there wasn't as much Christmas cheer as I would have expected on Christmas Eve. When I was in college, I worked a seasonal job over the winter as a seasonal help at Toys R Us back when they still had Toys R Us. Let me tell you where you are not going to find Christmas cheer. <laughs> and it's parents shopping for toys for their children asking some employee who has no idea where anything is in the store because he's only seasonal help, where to find a certain action figure and why they have this one, but they don't have that one, which is the one their child wants. Those people don't just say, well, may, may Jesus bless you and, and make their way out. No, they have different words. But where do we find cheer as God's children? If by faith you've trusted Christ as your savior, believing that he died for your sins, was buried, rose from the grave, and you've made that decision, to, to believe on him, where do we find it? Where do we find cheer? He says, I have overcome the world. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I have overcome the world. All of the trouble that it brings and all of the stress that it brings, all of the, the anxiety and the worry, all of the problems, all of the heartache, all of the disappointment, all of the health struggles, all of the, the mental health struggles, all of the plagues, that have passed upon mankind in this broken world, Jesus says, I have overcome all of them. Which means that no trouble that you and I face is ever outside of Jesus' ability to mitigate or to sustain us through. There's never something that Jesus scratches his head at and says, boy, you guys are messed up now. There's no answer to that. He never has a day when he doesn't have the power to sustain us. He never calls off. He's never too busy. He never leaves you on red. That's, that's not returning your calls for those of us that are 40 and older. He never, he never ghosts you. The Lord Jesus Christ has overcome this world. And so though we're going to have trouble in it, 
he tells us, you can be happy. You can be of good cheer because nothing will assail you that I haven't already cared for. You know what this reminds me of? Would you look in Mark chapter 4? Sometimes the problems that we get into are so bad that we think that they're going to take us under. We think that they're so bad that there's no way out. In Mark chapter 4, in verse number 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? A little bit of background for this. They had been preaching and teaching. They had a full day of ministry. And when they sent the crowds away, Jesus and his followers got onto a boat and they were trying to, to travel across. And he fell asleep on the boat. He was tired. He was tired. And the waves and the wind were so severe that these seasoned sailors thought, we are going to sink. We're going to drown. There's no way out of this. And so they run to Jesus and they said, don't you even care? Verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? You know, we need a moment like that where we see the power of Jesus Christ to overcome the most tempestuous of life's circumstances. We need to see him being so great and so powerful as they did as they're amazed and said, look at the power that Jesus Christ has. You know what he said to the sea? Peace, be still. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the peace on earth as he walked among us, as he spoke literally to this world and overcame it in that moment. This was not a figurative storm. This was a literal storm. And it was from the enemy. You say, how do you know it was from the enemy? Because he rebuked it. And the only other person other than the enemy would have been God, the Father, who would have sent it. And the God the Son would never rebuke the works of God the Father. So we know it's the enemy that sent it. And Jesus just said, no. He let them go through it for a little while until they came to him and they entrusted it to him. And they were amazed. And you know what he said? If you had had faith, you wouldn't have been so worried. If you had been faith, you wouldn't had faith, you wouldn't have been so fearful. If you had believed that I am as great as I am, you would have trusted me to carry us over to the other side. So what are some points of application? What are some points of application this morning that you and I can look at? First of all, look to Jesus for your peace. Look to Jesus for your peace. Many people look to another set of circumstances. And they say, if I get there, I will have peace. If your peace is always tomorrow, if your peace is always next month, if it's always once I've got this paid off or once we get to go on vacation, if you have a life that's so hectic and has so little peace that you need a vacation from your life, you and I are doing it wrong. Because he wants us to have daily peace. And the daily peace will not be found in a change of your circumstances. I have seen people go through some of the most terrible seasons of life and they've gone through it with peace. And then I've seen other people go through terrible seasons of life and they've fallen apart. You say, what is the difference? 
Those that rested in the Lord and trusted him had the peace. And those that kept wringing their hands and worrying and scheming and planning and trying to fix it all themselves, they were the ones that were miserable. Have you ever experienced that in your own life? Where you could have peace over something versus the times when you tried to fix it all yourself and you had no peace? You see, it's very easy for people to look for peace and freedom from trouble. But Jesus Christ offers us peace in the midst of trouble which is exactly what we need because trouble is not going to stop coming until we leave this world for that bright morning, for that golden shore. Until we get there, we're going to have trouble. Jesus promises it to us. If your peace is always out there someday, you don't have the peace that Jesus promised. And Christian, you've been saved to live a life that's better than that. The Lord Jesus Christ paid a great price, not just to save you from your sins so that you might be with God forever in heaven, but also to live a life here on this earth that's full of his joy and full of his peace. We bring our trouble to Christ in prayer, believing that he's that powerful, that he's that committed to me, that he loves me that much, that he'll hear me. So we go to Jesus for our peace. Second of all, to expect trouble. To expect trouble. Everyone will face trouble in this world. Factor it in. Look for it. Don't let your, your ship be sunk the first time you hit a storm. Don't quit the first time you hit. I, I can remember the first time I ran into, quote, big problems, right? When I was out of the house and like I didn't have parents there to solve the problems anymore. I don't know if you remember what that is, whether it was a bill that needed to be paid or a situation and you didn't know what to do or something broke down or whatever it might have been. Some sort of relationship that seemed to be crumbling and you didn't know. And the first time you run into those problems, you say, what is this? And the answer is, welcome. <laughs> welcome to life. Because this life is lived in a place where there's trouble. If you're in a bad neighborhood, don't be surprised when bad things happen to you in a bad neighborhood. And unfortunately, because of sin, we all now live in a broken world where broken things happen. So we need to make sure that we have a peace that accounts for trouble. Because you don't have enough vacation days to deal with the trouble in this world. You don't. You don't have enough PTO to deal with uh, the, the trouble in this life. You don't have enough quiet to find, especially those of you that are younger, and have little children at home, there's not enough solitude for you to get away from all of it. No, no. We need a peace that accounts for the trouble that this world brings. I don't want you to be discouraged when it comes. I want you to say, ah, there it is. Jesus said it would be coming. The last part, be of good cheer because you have a champion. Be of good cheer because you have a champion. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. He has literally overcome and won the victory over anything that you and I might face. Any trouble at this world that it might throw at you, Jesus Christ is greater, which means there's nothing that you and I need to worry about. Now, we may end up worrying. We may end up without any cheer because we try and deal with the problems ourselves. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work longer. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to arrange things. I'm going to rally the troops. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend here. I'm going to adjust this. I'm going to stop that, keep this. And you start working through all of this plan, and yet you still have no peace. You say, I wish I, I was the boss at work. Then I'd have no trouble. Ha! 
I've seen what that looks like. I, I grew up with that when my dad became the boss. That's not really how it works. You said, if I had, if I had, if I had, if this, if this, you can have right now good cheer because of the champion that fights for you. Whether it's a cold or whether it's cancer or anything in between, the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome it. And so we can live in good cheer, but you'll make a choice. You'll make a choice whether or not to face those problems and let it crush your attitude. Or you'll face it in gratitude. Either it will be something that takes you away from God and takes you out of church and makes you wonder if it was ever real to begin with, or it'll be something that draws you even closer to your great Savior, seeing him sustain you through all of the trouble. What does it mean to have a champion, that there'll be no battles? No, it means that you'll win every one. That's the difference. I think that's where people get discouraged. They're like, how could this happen? How could this happen? How could God let this happen? That's not the real question. The real question is, has God abandoned you? No. He most certainly hasn't. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment? I want to thank you for your good attention this morning. Thank you for the effort that it took to be in the Lord's house today. What makes it worthwhile for you and I to be here is to have God speak to us. And in our church, we have a time of invitation where we invite you to act in your own heart and mind on whatever it is that God has spoken to you about. And I don't know what he's spoken to you about. Maybe you're here this morning and there's just no peace. Life is chaos. It's one thing after another. And you feel like you're on that boat with the disciples and the waves are splashing over the side and you're bailing water and it's just moments before you go under. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you're here and, and you're not really a church person, but someone invited you to come and it's Christmas and so you've decided to come and, and you don't really have peace in your life at all and the idea of finding peace in Jesus seems very unusual to you because you don't have a relationship with Christ. You've never by faith trusted him as your savior. If that's you this morning, I want you to know that you can receive God's unspeakable gift, which is a gift so great that there's not even words for it. That is salvation in Jesus Christ. I was 18 years old when I knelt down at the side of my bed and prayed and asked Christ to forgive my sins and be my savior. I wasn't in church. There wasn't a preacher around. Lights didn't flash. Bells didn't ring. I didn't feel funny all over. But I knew I had taken God at his word. And because of that, he changed my life and my eternal destination. You can have that this morning. You can have peace with God, the forgiveness of all of your sins. Heaven can be your home. God has gone to such great lengths to keep you out of hell, which you and I rightfully deserve. He gave his only begotten son. That's what Christmas is about. It's that earthly arrival of God's great gift. If you've never received it, in just a moment, we'll stand and sing, and some people will be praying right there in their seats or maybe come forward and pray. You just slip out of your seat, and I'll be down here at the head of this aisle, and you just come and let me know and say, Pastor, I'd like to know for sure that I'm saved. And someone will take you aside privately, a gentleman with a gentleman, a lady with a lady, so that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. Maybe you've been in trouble, problems in your life, and you started to wonder if God has abandoned you. Maybe you're starting to think that he's not who he says he is and he's not as faithful as he says he is and maybe his word isn't true like you've been told and because of the hardship you're going through it has you doubting 
and you so desperately need a glimpse of your champion this morning to renew your faith, not to be saved again, but to be drawn close to God again. Maybe you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism or put your life and influence in this church as a member. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is that the Lord has spoken to you about, would you say yes to him this morning? Father, we take the truth of your word and the working of your spirit and we once again ask you to bless it that we might be made more like Christ this morning. Help us to say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.